we're still in this uh, mode of worship and learning about worship. Uh, today we're going to talk about the truth. Amen. So let's go back to John 4. I've preached this passage before, but I want to kind of delve into it a little bit more uh, as I'm growing. I'm sharing with you what I'm learning. Amen. John, the fourth chapter, starting at the 23rd verse. Amen. John, the fourth chapter, starting at the 24th, uh, 23rd verse. Amen. When you have it, say amen. And I don't just mean on your screen. <laughs> amen. All right. The word of God reads, but the time is coming Indeed, it's here now. Mm. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is looking for those. Thank you, Lord. For the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth truth. Verse 25 says, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain. That's good. Oh, I feel you Holy Ghost already. Everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning from the subject matter Honest worship. Honest worship. Amen. Those that worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. We've been talking a lot about worshiping in the spirit. Now we're going to go to the other side in truth. Amen. Um, most of you know this story. There's a detour that Jesus takes um, that the Jews normally don't take because they want to avoid their half-breed cousins, the Samaritans, at all costs. Samaritans are people uh, who were left behind. There were people who were left behind um, after the invasion of Samaria by the Assyrians long ago. Uh, and they have different ways different lives, different ways of seeing God. They intermarried into the cultures around them. Even though they were Jews, they were not considered pure Jews um, because the Jews who had returned from captivity um, were now occupying that area. And the idea was, according to the law, you don't intermarry, you don't get involved, you don't get connected with the other cultures, the surrounding cultures. Uh, So the returning Jews would often, to get from Judea or to Galilee in between, there was Samaria, and they would just go all around and take the long way because they don't want to deal with or be contaminated by the Samaritans. I've showed you that before in Scripture. This is a very familiar story. And so Jesus arrives at the well and sends his disciples away to get some food. And when he gets there, um, he comes to the same well to get some water. But there's a woman there, a Samaritan woman. Uh, and she comes to the same well to draw water. And she doesn't come in the morning when it's cooler, when it makes sense. She comes in the middle of the day uh, because she doesn't want to be seen. She wants to avoid uh, coming with the rest of the women. Because we know how the women can be when they know your business. So she wants to avoid that as much as possible. She's got somewhat of a reputation. She's got an issue. Okay? So the deal is, is Jesus, when he sees her coming, right on schedule, because he's expecting her, he says, give me something to drink. Can you draw some water for me? And she, you know is surprised that Jesus is speaking to, him, uh, to her, so she reminds Jesus um, that he's a Jew, as if he didn't know that. And she's assuming that Jesus is like all the rest of the Jews. You're probably one of those racist Jews 
that should be practicing some social distancing between me and you. And so Jesus replies to her. After he hears all that, (laughs) he replies to her and he says something that we need to pay very, very close attention to. John 4 and 10. Same fourth chapter, 10th verse. Jesus replies to her, if you only knew the gift God has for you, underline this, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. We've heard this before. We know this verse, amen? Jesus is saying, if you knew what I was offering you, And if you knew who you were speaking to, or if you knew what was missing in your life, (laughs) and if you had any revelation of who I really am, then you would ask me for living water. And it's true that Jesus came, as I said, to redeem us and save us from our sins, but that's not the only reason why he came. As I said before, he came to show us who God is. Jesus is the perfect image of God. Amen? His exact likeness. He perfectly reveals who God is. There can be no true worshipers of God if the worshipers themselves don't know who they're worshiping. (laughs) Amen? If you don't know who God is, you can't accurately worship him. Amen? So Jesus shows us who God is. And this requires having a revelation of God, which comes from God. It will not come from you. Amen? It will not come from me. It comes from God. And not only having a good revelation or a right revelation of God, but it also comes from having a right revelation of self. Knowing who you really are. And knowing who God really is. Amen? Because think about it. If you think you're all that, you will never really properly worship. <laughs> right? You go to God like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> you good? I'm good. All right. It's not proper worship. So go back up to verse 15, same chapter, John 4, 15. So after Jesus offers her the living water and tells her that you would never thirst again, her mind starts clicking and says, ooh, this sounds like a really good deal. She says in verse 15, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. I can come and get this water, and I won't have to deal with being confronted and reminded about my issue, my reputation. I won't have to get those looks from those girls. You know how, you know how we do when you know somebody's business. Hey, Sister Sally, how you doing? You good this morning? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you won't have to deal with folks that know your business. I can have, with this living water, the benefits without having to change anything. Uh. If I don't have to face the public, I can do what I've been doing and never have to really get the daily reality check that shines a light on my issue in my reputation. Kind of like people who sit at home on Sundays now during church. (laughs) They view the word and get the word, which is a benefit, through the screen. But because they're not in community with anybody, nobody really knows what they're doing. Nobody really knows where they're really at. And in some ways, they really can't see themselves. Pandemic church gives you benefits without accountability. You can do anything you want. Because no one's checking in on you. <laughs> but Jesus is smarter than that. Jesus is on to this woman. Jesus is on to her. So she asks for living water, but Jesus says this. Verse 16. 
Just hang with me. I'm almost done. Not going to be long. You want the living water. Okay. First, Samaritan woman, go get your husband. Jesus told her. You know, it's not fair for you to have all the drink. Why don't you go get some for your husband? Why don't you, why don't you go get your husband? He can have some of the drink too. <laughs> she says in verse 17, I don't have a husband. Here we go. The woman replied, Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. Verse 18, I love the living translation in this way because it just makes it real plain and real Oakland. You have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. Then he says this, you certainly spoke the truth. Those that worship the Father must worship him in spirit and in truth. You spoke the truth. This word here, truth, means no hypocrisy, no sham, without concealing or hiding anything. Wow. Point number one, to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, you have to be truthful with God. Real simple. Ritual and ceremony is not good enough. That was a type in the shadow. That was a training ground for the Old Testament Jews. Amen? Jesus, Jesus was saying, this is kind of how I want you to, you know, with all the, you know, the bells and whistles and all the ceremony and all the, 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 the things that they had to do just, just right that didn't really affect the heart. He was saying, listen, God has always, in spite of your training, has always required honesty. Amen? So that's point number one. We'll come back to that in a minute. Verse 19, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. You told me all my business, so you must have some kind of connection with God. Verse 20, so tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim? Underline that, Mount Gerizim really important. At Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped. Now, this is what I need to say to you. I've taught this passage before, but as you grow in God, you kind of see some things differently, and you kind of hear some things. The Lord starts to reveal certain things to you. And as you dig, you go, wait a minute. Maybe there's more there. And there always is. Amen? Now, when I first taught this passage, I believed that and still do believe to some degree um, that this woman was embarrassed and surprised and caught off guard. Uh, Jesus told her her business, so she decided to distract Jesus by bringing up some religious controversial argument, the religious stuff, so that she can, you know, shine a light on that argument and take Jesus' attention off of her issue. Okay? You know, kind of like Steph Curry, like a quick... Shake bait. You know? No, you're over here now. You know? Just kind of, you know, shake Jesus up a little bit. Because I'm uncomfortable. You're talking about things. I didn't come here for this. Came to get my water. I normally have to deal with this with the girls. And here you go. You ain't even in the area. Who told you my business? Me and John been together for five years. We're going to get married. We're going to fix it. You know how it go. So listen, I don't want to talk about, I don't want to talk about my issue, my reputation. I don't know how you know that, but there must be some kind of connection with God. But can we get back to the living water? <laughs> Let's not talk about what I'm doing. When I first taught that, when I first taught the scripture, I thought that that was the only thing that was going on. I pretty much came from that angle. But now I see that there's something different. It doesn't exclude that synopsis. It doesn't exclude that thought. But it includes another thought or another possibility. Yes, she's surprised. Yes, she's embarrassed. Yes, she's convicted. 
But perhaps she was so convicted that she wants to fix the sin problem by finally coming to God in the right way. She realizes that she's having a God moment here and she wants to worship in the right way. Some people, when you corner them, <laughs> they come out swinging, they fight to death. All right, you can back me up in the corner. I'm a <laughs> windmill my way out of this. Other people, when you corner them, they say, okay, you got me. I give in. Now we need to discuss terms. How can I fix this? I want to worship the right way. I got an issue in my life. I ain't living right. Okay. I've been confused about how to fix this. How do I approach God? I guess the first thing we need to do, men at the well, <laughs> is I need to go to church. I need to go to the temple. But here's the problem. The Jews say that worship is supposed to be in Jerusalem. Where I come from as a Samaritan, we've always believed that worship was supposed to be in Mount Gerizim. So I can't fix this issue that I have unless I at least get on the right mountain. Are you hearing me? Can you explain this to me? Do we worship on Mount Gerizim or, Mount, or in Jerusalem? Who's right? Now, keep your finger there. Go to Deuteronomy 27. And I hope I'm pronouncing that right. It might be Gerizim or Gerizim. Deuteronomy 27, starting at verse 9. This is way back. This is give a little history of Mount Gerizim and the Samaritans. Watch this. I'm talking about worshiping God in truth, true worship. Then Moses and the Levitical priests address all Israel as follows. O Israel, be quiet and listen. Today you have become the people of your God, the people of the Lord your God. Verse 10, you must obey the Lord your God by keeping all these commands and decrees that I'm giving you. They're getting ready to cross over the Jordan, and God is saying there's a bunch of stuff that I want you to do and a bunch of things you have to obey. All right? Now, the head title says here, curses from Mount Ebal, because there was Mount Gerizim, and then there was Mount Ebal, and Samaria is right in the middle. All right, so watch this. Verse 11, that same day, Moses also gave this charge to the people. When you cross the Jordan, Jordan River, the tribes of Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin must stand on Mount Gerizim to proclaim blessings. Amen? over the people. So right there, we get an indication that if you're on Mount Gerizim, you're on the right side. You're getting the blessings. Amen? All right. Hang with me. And the tribe, verse 13, and the tribe of Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali must stand on Mount Ebal, which is the exact opposite on the other side, to proclaim what? A curse. Then the Levites will shout to all the people of Israel, Cursed is anyone who car carves or casts an idol and secretly sets it up. These idols, the work of the craftsmen, are detestable to the Lord. And all the people will reply, Amen. In other words, anybody that does that, cursed. Right? This is on Mount Ebal, not on Mount Gerizim. Okay? All right, and then another one. Verse 16. Curses anyone who dishonors father and mother. Oh, we would all be in trouble with that. And all the people will say amen. So all the people will say amen. And so on and so on and so on. It's just a list of curses, 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 curses. Then you get into Deuteronomy 28 where Fred Hammond gets that song. Bless, 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 bless. We're blessed in the city. We're blessed in the field. You know the song, right? It's all these, you know, you're blessed in the sea, you're blessed in the field. It's all these blessings. And then he said, right after that, the short list of, list of blessings, there's a ton of curses again. Mount Ebal. So here's the thing. So remember when I said the Samaritans 
where, you know, there are people who were taken away and, and uh, left behind, rather. They were left behind after the Assyrians came in and took over. And they carted off all the rest of, the, the, you know, the prominent Jews, the tribe of Benjamin and all the you know, uppity folks. <laughs> and left all the other folks that didn't get into politics and all that behind. <laughs> so all the lawyers and doctors went over there with the Assyrians and all the rest of the folks were left behind. And they got mixed up and in, in, in intermingled with other folks because the Assyrians also sent foreigners into that land. So you had a group of people who were, you know, left behind. And then there's an influx of new people coming into the city and, and everything's all mixed up. So whatever you were doing, you ain't doing it now. It's all confusion now. Okay? It's just like kind of being in, you know, well, don't get ahead of yourself after. The Samaritans are missing, not only that, they only uh, went up to the Pentateuch. So, in other words, they're missing several books of the Bible. They don't know how much, you know, they don't know anything about God. They don't know anything about the prophets. They don't know how to worship God. And then all they have is what they knew in the beginning, which is, you know, well, if you're going to be on Mount Gerizim, I guess that's where the blessing is. Not on Mount Ebal. So, so if we're going to have church, we better put it on the right mountain. If I'm going to get right with God, better put it on the right mountain. By the way, didn't you know that uh, uh, Abraham, you know, was about to sacrifice Isaac on Mount Gerizim? So there's all this history there, but the history stops, and then they are completely left behind. And there's all this, God, you know, God is talking to all these prophets. They heard none of that. None of it. They don't know anything. And on top of that, they are intermingled and married into other cultures. And all they know is they were going to worship God. They got to be on Mount Gerizim, not on Mount Ebal, okay? Because that's where all the blessings are. So they really don't know the right, truthful way to worship God. Are you hanging with me? All right, did I make that point clear? All right, so let me just give you another snapshot of Mount Gerizim so you can see what's happening in the area of Samaria. 2 Kings 17, 24, 28. Move, Jamie. 2 Kings 17, 24 through 28. This is the king that took all the people away and put the other foreigners in. Now watch this. The king of Assyria transported groups of people from Babylon, Kutha, Abba, uh, Hamath, and Sepharium. Bring in your arm. <laughs> I can't even pronounce it. And settled them in towns of where? Samaria. Replacing the people of Israel. See that? They took possession of Samaria and lived in the towns. But watch this, people. But since these foreign settlers did not worship the Lord when they first arrived, the Lord God sent lions among them, which killed some of them. So the people are trying to have church and lions is just. <laughs> because they don't know God. They're making up worship any kind of way. They know, you know? <laughs> That's just chaos. Could you imagine if a bunch of lions came up in this church? Praise the Lord. <laughs> God sent lions. Skip down to verse uh, 26. Watch this. Go to 26. So a message was sent to the king of Assyria. The people you have sent to live in the town of Samaria do not know the religious customs of the God of that land. They're talking about Jehovah God. Okay? He has sent lions among them to destroy them because they have not worshipped him, keyword, correctly. There's a way and a wrong way. There's a right way and a wrong way. And God is serious. Are you hearing me? The king of Assyria commanded them, he said, uh, he said, listen, the king of Assyria then commanded, send one of the exile priests, one of the ones we took away, one of the, you know, the popular folks, <laughs> send one of the priests back to Syria, let him live there and teach the new residents the religious customs of the land, uh, customs of the God of the land. Verse 28, so one of the priests who had been exiled from Samaria, returned to Bethel and taught the new residents how to worship the Lord. Isn't that interesting? So here's the thing. All she knows, back to the woman in the well. 
All she knows is if I'm going to get this husband issue right, I got to go to Mount Gerizim. I'm going to do some sacrifices, perform some ceremonies, and that'll be it. And all she has is the history of this is a good reason why we do this, because this is all we know. That's not worshiping God in truth. Are you hearing me? Point number two. She's got it the wrong way. There's a right way and a wrong way to worship God. God is holy. He should never be approached in any kind of way. So she wants the blessings of God, but not the curses. So she thinks, I got to go to Mount Gerizim. So she's thinking for starters, we need to at least have church about my issue in Oakland and not Hayward, because that's where you get the curses. Are you hearing me? All right. Now, back to 4 and 21, John 4 and 21. Let's wrap this up. But Jesus says this. You know, I appreciate the gesture. I appreciate the desire to want to get this right. Okay? A little different slant here. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews, meaning that Jesus Christ would come through the race of the Jews. Amen? They miss all of that. Verse 23. Here's the point. But the time is coming. Underline this. Indeed, it's here now. When, there's that word again, true worshipers. True worshipers. No hypocrisy. No hiding. No sham. No pretending. Okay? No pretending. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit. For God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So here's the thing. Let's make it, let's make it plain. 2022. You go on a date. Some people go on dates. How many people have been on a date? Maybe not in a long time. It's okay. How many people have been on a date? Rick, you been on a date? <laughs> All right. Some people go on a date to get to know each other, right? But the sad thing is you really don't know <laughs> the person that, you, that showed up, right? You're really not dating the person that decides to go on a date with you. What do you mean by that, Pastor? This is because nobody, almost nobody, but nobody is honest on a date. People come to the date and they what? Lie. They leave stuff out. They don't tell the truth. They never tell you, by the way, I have so many issues. <laughs> So in all actuality, if I was your roommate, college roommate, and you came home and said, you went on a date, right? <laughs> and I asked you, well, how did your date go? If you were telling the truth, you would say, well, it was nice. We got there, and we just lied. <laughs> just, just lied, all of us. Just, just both of us just sit there lying to each other. The whole night, I never told him who I really was. And I don't even know any more about him than when he first asked me on a date. But just lie. Here's the thing, saints. If a person was really honest on their date, if the guy was honest, come on, let's, can, we, can we just have a real conversation in this church? All right. If the guy was totally honest, okay, the, the, Mother Shirley, grab your pearls. If the guy was totally honest, he might say, listen, I just really want to go to bed with you. I like you enough to sleep with you. I'm really not that interested in anything else. The sooner you put down that chicken and we get up out of here, the happier I'm going to be. 
That's the honest truth. We're on a date, so you can put that chicken down. And leave with me and we're going to go somewhere. If the girl was being totally honest, she would say, listen, I don't really like going to work. So how much money do you really have? (laughs) Can you take care of me? Let's get this straight now. I'm acting sweet right now, but as soon as you put a ring on my finger, I'm planning to disrespect you the whole marriage. And by the way, I only ordered salad because I'm trying to be cute. But I'm really hungrier than this. I can eat my plate, your plate, the people's plate sitting next to us. Take it further. The hair in my hair, that ain't my hair. (laughs) These nails, they're not my nails. This waist, I got on more shapewear. This ain't my waist. I'm on a date with you, trying to be intimate with you and get to know you, and I am telling you completely nothing. Both people are just lying. Okay. One more time. How much money do you make again? (laughs) So if we were to use a magnifying glass on this date, we would see two people who were lying and watch this, trying to manipulate one another so both of them can get what they really want. Now, here's the interesting thing about this. If you were going to go on a date with Jesus, he would already know everything. He would know everything about you. The question is, are we worshiping him? Are we dating him? Are we intimate him with him in a way that we show up as ourselves and not someone else? Are you hearing me? Are we pretending to be someone we're not in the presence of God? Someone sinless, someone issueless. Are we being totally honest? Is it in spirit and in truth? Ah. You get it? And that's how some of us Christians do in the presence of God. We're not being real. We're pretending to be somebody else in front of God when he can clearly see what's really going on in our hearts. And if you have that kind of hypocrisy in worship, saints, there's no realness. There's no asking for forgiveness. There's no admittance of any wrong. There's just doing whatever you want to do. There's no sincerity. There's no truth. There's no intimacy. And if there's no intimacy, there's no change. Because we're not being real. Are you hearing me? Give me the living water. Get your husband first. Are you hearing me? Give me the living water. How much you spend on that sports car, bro? Come on, think about it. Give me the living water. Why you got your eyes on somebody else's woman? Let's just be real first. Spirit and in truth. If there's no real intimacy in worship, there is no change because there's no admittance of anything wrong. Amen? So Jesus says, before we get into this intimacy thing, there's got to be a real confrontation. Amen? Worship is not going to be this ceremony thing on some mountain, and we're not going to deal with who we really are. Are you hearing me? Joshua 24, 14. Almost done. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. And serve him in what? Sincerity. And in what? Truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. One more. Psalm 51 and 6. This is David getting a revelation of God. But you, talking about God, desire honesty from the womb. Whoa. Teaching me wisdom even there. So worship, this word worship in spirit and truth, John 4, they that worship 
the Father must worship in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking worshipers who will worship him in spirit and truth. Worship, that word means to bow and kiss. Amen? Bow and kiss. My dad said something phenomenal that I'm just now understanding. He said, you can praise God from afar, but in order to worship, you got to get up close. You can't kiss. You can say, I love you, Pastor Jamie. You're a great guy. That's praise. But worship is when you get up close. You can't kiss me from way back there. Are you seeing me? There has to be a closeness in worship. Amen? Amen. Intimacy is not just ceremony. Intimacy is real. Intimacy is passionate. Amen? Intimacy with God is honest, honesty, truth between the two parties involved. I can't be somebody else and then worship God. That's impossible. I got to come as I really am with my issues, with my stuff. I got to be like, hey, you know all about it, Jesus. What am I going to hide from you? Amen? You take it to God in prayer, everything. Not just your bills. You take you. Are you hearing me? Everything to God in prayer. Not just your wants. You take you. You take your issues, you take your, your sins, you take your failures, your inconsistency. I know I promised you, Lord, that I'll be reading you this week, but I just didn't get to it. That's honesty and worship. You don't just come to God, bless you, Lord. I ain't seen you in three months, but bless you. Are you hearing me? All right. Jesus says something phenomenal. Verse 23, John 4, 23. Almost done. Yeah. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now. The time is coming when we will worship the Father in spirit and truth. But he said, indeed it's here now. Worshiping God, woman at the well, is here now. Let that sink in. What's he saying? What's he saying? Let me prove it to you. Give me another translation, John 4, 26. Give me King James. John 4, 26. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. I know that the Messiah is coming, and when he comes, he will teach us all things. He will explain everything to us. Jesus says to her in, in verse 26, I told her, I am the Messiah, or I that speak to thee Am he. Now, what you need to understand here is in the original translation, the original transcript, the word he is not really there. They added that in order for us to be able to understand the sentence structure a little bit better. This real sentence structure in the original says this. Jesus says unto her, I that speak to thee am. Somebody got it. I am. What is he saying? What is Jesus really saying here? What am I saying here? The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who's called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. He'll explain which mountain we're supposed to be on, how we're supposed to really worship. Amen? I want to get this thing right. And Jesus said to her, I am. That's all he said. (laughs) I love it. What I need you to understand this morning is when this woman is talking to this man at the well, she's not talking to the Son of God. She's not talking to Jesus, the healer. She's not talking to Jesus, the miracle worker. She's not talking to Jesus born in a manger. You know? She's, ta- she's not talking to Jesus, the one who knows all things. And No, no. She's talking. He's more than that. She's talking to God. Don't lose that. Grab a hold. I don't know how to say that any more better than that than I can say it. There's no way I can give that more impact. She is not talking to some guy, some prophet, some miracle worker. She's not talking to some faith healer where you give him $19 and get a miracle. She's talking to God. I am. Woo. 
The woman is having a conversation with God. The woman, is, she's not understanding this. Jesus is the one to worship. The time is coming, and indeed it's here right now. And he just looks at it. Now, we know the story. She gets excited because she's still focused on the fact that he's amazing, that he could tell me all my business. And she goes and runs and tells everybody and that she's possibly seen the Messiah. Okay? But we see no evidence that she actually did what we're all created to do. Now that she's got a revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, what does she do? She does evangelism. And that's great. But that's not the first response. No. You know why? She never worshipped. She never worshipped. The mental ascent was not the intended goal of the revelation. Knowing who Jesus is should cause us to do more than just know. It should cause us to do more than just serve. (laughs) That's good. But that's not the proper response. When you get in front of the presence of God, you don't just go, you know what? I think I'll wash your dishes for you, Lord, do you? I'll form a choir. I'll preach a sermon. If you get into the presence of God, Isaiah 6 chapter said, when King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord. And his train filled the temple. And all he could do was get on the ground and cry, I am a mess. I am a man of unclean lips. Woe is me. He worships people. Are you hearing me? So she took off running and doing church work. And Jesus said, no. The time is now. I am God. Thank you, Lord. Excuse me. The woman came looking for water. And she left her water pot. She never got what she was looking for. Why? Because that wasn't enough to live on in the first place. Jesus had something much better. He had living water. Living water is what she needed. What is the living water? What is the living water? I'll tell you what the living water is. It's the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of God living inside of you, which gives you the revelation of who you really are and what you're really here to do. Other than that, we're going to go back and forth to the well every single time doing this worldly circle that we do, this circus that we get into, and never realize what we're here to do. There will be no contentment. There will be no joy. There will be no understanding. There will be no revelation until we understand why we are here. Oh, saints. When you understand that you're here to worship, that's what you live on. That's revelation to live on. That's the real water. The revelation is the truth that lets me know I am actually getting back into the place where I'm supposed to be. I've been running around all my life. Looking for significance. Looking for what I'm supposed to be doing. Putting myself in this situation. Putting myself in that situation. God is saying, slow down and recognize I'm God. Worship me and everything. If you seek ye first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added unto you. So all the stuff that we're looking for, you're going to find it in his presence first. Until you get in the presence of God, you don't know what you're doing. You're just wasting your energy. Running on empty, getting that water, and it's running dry. The well's running dry. I'm always dry. I'm dry. I'm dry. I'm dry. I got to come back here tomorrow again. The truth of the matter is you're going to be dry and parched. Why? Because there's not the living water. The living water is what you live on. Living water. 
You live on that. That's the revelation. That's the purpose. That's the point of your whole entire life. Are you hearing me? Amen. It'll never be good enough, people. This world stuff will never be good enough. It'll never be good enough. It will never, ever be good enough. Jesus tells her that even though she's a sinner, even though I know all of your business, girl, I'm still wanting a date with you. I still want time with you. I still want worship from you. We can fix all your stuff. Deal with all your stuff. Isn't that beautiful? In spite of everything that he knew, you know what you did. I know what I did. And he's saying, the Father's seeking worshipers who will worship him this way. What does that mean? Coming to you as I am. Lord, this was an okay week. I didn't do it perfectly. I didn't do it just right. I fell out with a few people. I didn't say the curse words. But I thought about them. Huh? I didn't act on everything that I could have acted on. I don't know what would have happened if I was there by myself. I don't know what I would have done, what I would have said, what I would have gotten into. But here's the truth, Lord. I'm presenting my real self to you. Not some version that I make up that I want everybody to be impressed with. You know everything. If I'm going to worship you, I'm going to worship in truth. Huh? I'm going to worship in truth. He's seeking, <laughs> he's seeking people who understand who they really are and how much they need God. That's real intimacy. Huh? When a man gets with his woman and he loves his woman, a woman loves a man, there's an appreciation for each other. <laughs> they're, not, they're not sitting in the bedroom going, oh, yeah, you need this. <laughs> you should be glad you married this. It's about to be on and popping. Why? Not because of you, but because of me. <laughs> That's not intimacy. <laughs> That's an egomaniac. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. He's seeking worshipers. And in spite of what you've done, his arms open. His time, his, his calendar is clear for you. He, he, he's, he's, he's moved things in his schedule, even though he's holding planets together. He's waiting for you to come and say, Lord, I want to spend this time with you. I want to worship you. And, and this is really who I am. Now I need to apologize about this and you talk about that and let's get it straight. Because I value this relationship. I need you. Last scripture and I'm done. I'm just going to read it and we're done. Hebrews 10, 19. 22. Thank you, Lord. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way. There it is, spirit and truth. Amen? Not the performance, but spirit and truth. Amen? Through the curtain into the most holy place. There's the intimacy with God right there. You see it? And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere, there it is, honesty, truthful, no hypocrisy. Amen? Come with your imperfections. Amen? Come being grateful that you can go into the presence of God. And get things right with him. With sincere hearts. Fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. You see it? So when you go into the presence of God, go boldly. Go appreciating what Jesus Christ has done. Go honestly, be real, amen, because he already knows all about it, and he's still going, got some time for me today? I'd like to give you some joy for all the stuff you're handling. I'd like to give you some peace 
for all the stuff you're handling. In my presence there is what? Fullness of joy. Amen? Honest worship. I'm done. Let's stand. This is my endeavor this week not to let, just this week, not to let everything else get in the way of my intimacy with God. Not to let the devil tell me everything I did wrong and cause me to shame myself. Not to worship God in a way that's not truthful and make up stuff about him (laughs) and be on the wrong mountain. Amen? But be real with God. In spirit, passion, amen? Right? As we've been learning. And in truth. In other words, there's no excuse. There's no reason why. The door is wide open. Come on in and sit with the Lord. Amen? And perhaps in doing all of that, you will get your mind off of everything else you're worried about. There it is. Amen? Because God is so big, what can he not do? Nothing. Amen. Father, we thank you for the word.